Hey everyone, this is Pastor Sue here at First Presbyterian Church, and welcome to the first of our After the Sermon uh, interviews here as we dive a little bit more into some of the things we talked about on Sunday morning. So it's Nancy O'Brien, who's a part of our church and part of our online ministry team, is going to be interviewing me, and I hope you enjoy it and come back for future episodes. Hi, Sue. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I am doing absolutely great today, and I hope you are too. I am. Thank you. And I really, really loved your message on Sunday around hope. Thank you. I thought it was a really beautiful message, and um, I want to explore hope a little bit um, with you. It's a topic that we all need to spend more time with because we all need it. So one of the stories that you shared, I think it's from Jeremiah something, um, was, was kind of this message that has now gotten kind of translated to like grow where you're planted, right? Where, I mean, what does that mean to you? Where did it come from? Why is that important? It's a really interesting phrase because it has a, a very personal connection to our church. And I think it also ties in with what we were hearing in Jeremiah 29. And for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, God's people had been taken from exile to Jerusalem to Babylon. They hoped to be there a short time. And the prophet Jeremiah was telling them, no, you're going to be there a while. So grow where you're planted. Uh, for our own congregation, there was a time period when a lot of the big churches in our downtown area around the capital were moving to the outskirts of town because the downtown area was getting poorer and poorer and everybody was moving out to the edges of town. And so they were moving out to where the growth was. And our church said, no, we are actually going to stay right where we are. This is our neighborhood. This is our home. And we actually used the phrase, we are going to grow where God has planted us here. And one of, the, uh, one of the pieces that goes along with that is that we're responsible for and to each other. Uh, we can't, none of us can thrive unless we're all thriving. You know, I think one of the, well, one of the things I hear people say is, uh, you know, can't we all just get along? And I, and I think that's, there's something to that because if I'm just, caring about myself, if I'm just uh, caring about my own household and my own needs, and I don't worry and care about everybody else too, that their needs are being met and their worries are being lessened, that they're being cared for, uh, then I've built a fence around myself and I'm living in a little fortress there, cut off from everybody else because I don't want their negativity to influence my life. But what kind of a life is that, living in these tiny bubbles that we've built for ourselves to shield ourselves from everything going on everywhere else? We're only going to thrive. We're only going to survive. We're only going to uh, have the world we all hope for if everybody's a part of that, without exception. Thank you, Sue. That's... Um... It was important for me to hear today, so thank you. Um, the other thing in your message was about focusing on today, you know, not kind of ruminating about the past or worrying about the future. Why, why is that um, important? 
I'll give you a very concrete example. And this is something that I struggle with. I think most of us do uh, is we worry about tomorrow and we ruminate about the past. Um, I, I think for myself, why it's so important to live in today, and I'll, I'll, I'll use money as an example. I have no idea where I got it from, but I worry about having enough money to retire on. I worry about growing old and having enough money to make sure that I have whatever care I may happen to need. So I'm a saver. I oversave. If you look at what the average American saves, multiply that by 10, and that's probably about where I am. Um, I will be okay, you know, barring a, you know, the apocalypse, I will be okay when I retire. Not that I believe that, but I know that. But what that means is that I am not enjoying all that I have right now. I am, I worry so much about saving that I don't take that money and do things that I love doing right now. And I have had so many close friends in the church who died unexpectedly from heart attacks or accidents. Um, one of them just right before he retired, another just right after he retired, never got to enjoy all that that he had accumulated, never got to do the things with his spouse in retirement that they had both dreamed of. That's why we have to live in today. We don't want to be, uh, we don't want to ignore tomorrow. You know, I, I think we're all called to plant. We're called to plant seeds and water those seeds. We're, we're called to have a concern about tomorrow, but we also have to live in today. God has given us so many blessings and the people around us and the world we live in that if we aren't enjoying that, then we're missing out on, on the wonderful things God has given us. And the other reason that it's so important to live in today is that future that we hope for, it's not going to happen unless we start planting seeds for that today. We might say we want world peace. Awesome. I would love world peace. Uh, I appreciate organizations like the Carter Center that say that I'm, you know, we want world peace. So what can we do right now to help move us in that direction? And so we have to be planting those seeds now. We have to be tending those gardens or the world we hope for simply won't come about. So that's why it's important to live in today. So... My next question for you, by confession, I have to, I have to just share that um, I when I was going through a challenging time a few years ago, and I went to uh, my my counselor, who I've seen off and on for years, and as he was leaving, you know how you know it's like you know your hours up because <laughs> they have stood up and they're heading out the door, so he is. His literally, his hand is on the doorknob. He's leaving and he turns to me and he says, Nancy, you need to give up hope. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I'm still processing that. What so, an interesting thing to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I mean, I've got, I mean, I've, I've, I, I believe I understand what he was trying trying to 
nudge me, you know, to do. But what I'd really like to hear from you, Sue, is like, what is hope? <laughs> and and why is it important for us to kind of locate it and be in that state and kind of operate, you know, from from a state of hope? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, what an interesting thing for him to say. You have to give up hope. Um, hope is so central to our faith. We are a, we talk about being a people of hope. Uh, one of the things God said to the people through Jeremiah is I've, I've promised you a future of hope. Um, I, I don't know that I could be who I am without hope. But hope is, it's not like I'm buying a lottery ticket and I'm hoping I'm going to win. I mean, that's hope, but that's not the kind of hope I'm talking about. The kind of hope I'm talking about is that sure hope that says, I know this is promised. I know it's going to happen. I may not know when, I may not know how, but I know that God's promise that we're going to have a world that is worthy of all of us living in it, that is going to celebrate all people. I believe that's going to happen. And that's what I mean by hope. It's confidence. Um, one of the books of the Bible that uh, I think is greatly misunderstood, the book of Revelation. Um, a weird book. If you ever sit down and read it, there's all these fanciful images. Keep in mind, it's a dream. Uh, somebody had a dream and this is his dream, but it's a dream about hope. It's a dream about the future. It's a dream about God's promise. The overall message of that book can be distilled down into one sentence. God has already won the battle. That's it. Where we are living right now, it may be hard. It may be tough. Life may not be perfect, but we know in the end, God has already won. So that's the confidence that we live with. And that's what keeps us going. Because if, like for myself, if I didn't have that hope and all I could imagine for the future is some kind of dystopia where the whole world has fallen apart, you know, for, for those of you who are old enough, think the old Mad Max movies. Um, if, if that's what I expected the future to be, I'd probably live very differently right now than I do. Um, and it would not be for the better. But if I believe that God's intent, God's plan for us is a future that is full of blessings for everybody. If I believe that God's plan for us is a world where everybody has what they need, where everybody enjoys the fruit of their own labors, where nobody is hungry, where, where we care about each other and lift each other up. If I truly believe that's going to happen, then I can live right now in such a way that reflects that. And that makes me a better person. That makes the lives of people around me better. It makes me more fun to be around than if I really anticipated that dystopia kind of a view. Um, so hope to me is not, oh, I hope I win the lottery. It's, I know what's coming. It's sure. It's, that's why, and, and our faith, we often use the phrase, assure hope. It's because we know it's going to happen. We believe it's going to happen. We have confidence. And so let's start living now in light of that. And I think that's what Jesus tried to do in, in his ministry. Uh, you know, he was not that political 
um, warrior that was going to overthrow Rome, although he was political. But he basically was saying the world that you're hoping for, hoping in this way, as in winning the lottery, that you aren't sure, but you really want, you can have that right now. Turn the other cheek. Give. Be generous. Forgive. When you start living in that way now, you're starting to get a taste of that world that you want and dream of and that God promises. So when I talk about hope, that's what I talk about. And that's why it's so important because it makes the world better right now for everybody. And I'll just add, you know, when my, my counselor, you know, was, was inviting me to kind of give up hope. I think, I think what he was trying to do is get me out of denial, you know, instead of kind of hoping that what was going on wasn't, wasn't going on or it it would be different. I think he was trying to like deal with what is Mm -hmm. and, and work, work in reality, what, of what is and go forth from there. And I would definitely agree with that. You know, it's, we don't want to be oblivious to the world in which we live. I mean, we don't live in a world that's at peace. Uh, We don't live in a world where everybody is kind to each other. And to deny that is, well, first of all, we're going to get deeply hurt uh, if we deny that. And if we deny that, we're not actually working towards making the world a better place, which is, I think, what we're all called to do. Uh, We're called to help make this place better. And that involves seeing the reality of, of what we have right now. But we still hang on to that hope. We know who wins in the end. So let that guide us in how we live now. One of the things that Jesus talked about with his disciples was they needed to be aware of the world in which they lived. They could not just imagine, you know, pretend that everything is perfect. They needed to recognize that people are not always going to accept them. People are not always going to welcome them. He also said, people are going to take you where you don't want to go. They're going to bind you and take you where you don't want to go. And I think we need to recognize that. We don't live in a perfect world. And so we need to be smart. We need to take that into consideration. But we also still don't forget that hope. We don't have that hope. What are we doing this for? Um, let me just see if I'm hearing you correctly. Hope, hope can be the bigger instrument to say, if I choose to act in love rather than fear in this moment, I am planting the seeds of hope yes. or more love in the future. Yeah. It's, um, Again, back to that image of planting seeds and growing where you're planted. It's like we plant what we want to reap. And so if we plant fear, we're just going to be reaping more fear. If we want to reap love, if we want to reap peace, then those are the things we need to plant right now 
And we need to recognize that we may not see the fruits of those in its fullness in our own lifetime. But aren't we grateful for people who planted seeds like that a long time ago where we have enjoyed the fruit of it? That's part of our commitment to the future. So one of the messages in your sermon was kind of talking about, um, and I think this goes back to the story of, of kind of people being exiled to Babylon, mm -hmm. things like that. But it was about um, not just taking care of yourself, but you know, seeking the welfare of that community. So what, yeah. tell, share with us more about why it's important to, to um, basically take care of the pot. <laughs> you find yourself planted in. Well, number one, we're in it. <laughs> so if we want a good life, it's going to involve everybody around us. But it also goes back to the fact that we don't exist for our own sake. We are called by God to be a positive light and hope and salt in the lives of other people. Uh, the It's really interesting that the church, and we sometimes forget this, oftentimes forget this, the church is one of those few organizations that is called into existence, not for its own sake, but for the sake of those who are not there. So to seek the welfare of the city in which we live reminds us that we are responsible for more people than just ourselves. We are responsible to those around us I don't know that I go as far as to say for them, but we are responsible to them because we're responsible to show them the world that can be through the way we live. I end my worship services most Sundays with a benediction that says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And those come from Matthew 6. Jesus reminded his disciples of that. And it reminds us that we are called to make a difference in the world. We are called for the sake of others. And so, yeah, to seek the welfare of the city in which we live, you could look at it selfishly. If I want a good life, I'm not going to have it if the people around me aren't having a good life. But I'm also responsible to them, to help them find hope and find what they need to really thrive and grow in their lives. That reminds me of a saying that just kind of floats around in my head throughout the day. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? Yeah. You know, that's exactly. everything from I'm, you know, walking down the sidewalk and there's trash. Well, I'll pick it up. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, if I'm not kind to the person that, um, is cutting cutting in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Then 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 what opportunity have I missed, right? To plant a seed. Absolutely. And sometimes it really is, if not me, then who? And it's nobody. And there's a need and and sometimes you are the person called to meet that need, mm -hmm. whether you want to or not. And the question is, will will you? What I coach myself to do is like, if somebody is in front of me and this is my experience, it's because I'm called to do something. Yeah. Otherwise it wouldn't be happening. I'd be somewhere else with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Every moment's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Every encounter is an opportunity. 
every time you're before another person, it's an opportunity to bring hope. It's an opportunity to be that light. It's an opportunity to make a difference. And I know that sometimes, you know, a lot of times we don't do that. Uh, and, and myself as well, you know, I'm, I'm late for work. I'm headed to work. And it's like, I really can't. I hope somebody else will. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Should I, should I stop whatever I'm doing and, and attend to that moment? Maybe I'll, I'll admit that sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Um, but yeah, sometimes if we don't, nobody else will. And so maybe we really are there for a reason for that one person. I mean, I can certainly think of enough people in my life that have been there at just the right time and said just the right thing. And they probably have no clue they did. But I remember because they were there when I needed them. Yeah, how can we how can we do that for someone else? Uh, and how do we recognize when those moments are really our moments as opposed to somebody else? And that that could be a challenge. So um, before I let you go, what advice do you have for us on on how we can plant the seeds of hope for tomorrow? Like how how do we put that into practice? I think you do it one moment at a time. If you have an opportunity to say a kind word, say a kind word. If you have the opportunity to help someone, help someone. Um, if you have the opportunity to, to share a story, do that. I think, you know, it, it really is a tiny moments that help us keep hope and help us share hope. And so pay attention to when those moments happen or when they come along, you're going to miss most of them, but try to catch one or two a day at least. And the more you look for those opportunities to plant a little seed or put a little water on a seed that's already there, the more you will notice the opportunities. We notice what we look for. So make a point when you get up in the moment and say, you know, three times today, I am going to find a way to brighten somebody's day. I'm going to find a way to make somebody's day. Uh, you know, just that simple of an intention can make a difference in the life of someone else that you, you may not never know, but it will also help change the way you look at the world, which will change the way you walk through the world. I think wow, I just love that. And I'm snickering because I was, uh, working out of um, my good friend's home for a couple of weeks in Florida. Thank you very much because I'm in Minnesota. So that, that actually <laughs> worked out awesome. And so I was, you know, I was at my, you know, friend's, you know, desk and he had a post-it note, just a little post-it note, handwritten, love today. And then it was three sprints by noon. So he challenged yeah. himself to like three love sprints by noon each day. And I, I just, I, what you were just saying, let's, let's do three hope sprints, yeah. you know, by noon today, each yeah. and every day. And then, and then, and then before you know it, we're living, we're living in a, in a different pot. Yes. Soil for all of us to thrive. So imagine that your goal in life was to 
make the day of everybody you meet. If everybody else shared that same goal, can you imagine what an awesome world this would be? It has to start somewhere. Let it start with us. Sue, thank you so much. I always learn so much from you and you always fill me up. Oh, thank um, you. So thank you. Thanks for joining us at First Presbyterian Church, where faith is nurtured, curiosity encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved. Find out more about us at fpclincoln.org.